Good morning, everybody. I'll be reading from the Bible this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abimadad, Abimadad was the father of Nashim, Nashim the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Rahab, sorry. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uzziah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rohabam. Rohabam, Boam, the father of Abijam, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Roabam, Jeroam the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Azad, Azad the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jechonah and his brothers at the time of the exile of Babylon. After the exile of Babylon, Jechonah was the father of Sashiel, Sashiel, the father of Jerubbabab, Jerubbabab, sorry, difficult names, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Elikam. Elikam, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Elizaiah. Elizaiah, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Are we on? Yep. Thank you, Linda. My, my wife said to me yesterday, when she saw the passage, she said, I pity the person who has to do the Bible reading. <laughs> and so you did really well. And I was just thinking as you were reading that out, nobody will ever want to do the Bible reading when I'm preaching again. <laughs> At least if I pick this. And why pick a genealogy on New Year's Eve? We'll find out as we go through. Let's pray. 
Lord, we just pray that as we look at this passage of the Scriptures, this first chapter of Matthew, um, in what is, for most of us, probably wouldn't think is an interesting part of the chapter, I pray that you'd help us to see how important the genealogies are in the Scriptures. I pray that you'd help us to see how important this particular one is. Uh, and I pray that you'd help us to see from this how this can improve our understanding of who you, Jesus, the Messiah, are uh, and how that can help deepen our relationship with you. Amen. Who likes genealogies? <laughs> I mean, why would I pick... It does have something more to do with Christmas than New Year's because it's about the birth of Jesus. So there is a link there if we sort of go back one week. Who here is into tracing their genealogy? Anyone ever done one of those DNA tests? We did one during COVID because we were bored, so we did one. But, but you know, it's quite interesting going back through your genealogy, and some people are really into it, some people couldn't care less. Australia is a kind of interesting country because we come from so many different places. And one thing I noticed about Aussies is that we often trace our genealogies back to where our ancestors first came out, and we're not really interested in tracing them back further than that. Um, my wife's got some really interesting genealogies. Some of her ancestors killed people who started the Reformation. But anyway, we won't go into that. <laughs> um, most of my ancestors came to Australia in the middle of the 1800s. At least four of them got free passage to Australia. Anyone else have ancestors with free passage? Yeah, four of them. Two to Sydney, two to Hobart. Anyway, I'll tell you about one of my ancestors. His name was Brian Veach. He came out on a ship like this. I think he was somewhere down the bottom of the ship. <laughs> he came out in the 1850s from Ireland for, for free. He didn't have to pay. Um, and perhaps I'd better leave it there about why he came to Australia. Anyway, as you've probably noticed, the Bible is full of genealogies. And some parts of the Old Testament have long lists of genealogies, even longer than the one that Linda just read out, with even more difficult names than the one that Linda just read out. Today we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew. And the first chapter of Gospel of Matthew is divided into two parts. And the first part, which we're looking at today, from verses 1 to 17, gives us the genealogy of Jesus Christ, which is what we'll look at today. Before I read these verses, though, I want to talk to you a bit about Jesus' genealogy. And the reason I wanted to, to do that is because I have a sneaking suspicion, I could be wrong, I could be wrong, but I have a sneaking suspicion that quite possibly some of you, maybe most of you, think that genealogical lists are quite boring. Am I right or wrong? In the Bible, there's a lot of genealogical lists, not just here in Matthew. Now, tell me honestly, when you're reading your Bible and you get to one of those genealogical or genealogical lists, what do you do? Ah, some honest people there. You do what? Who reads it attentively? About three or four of you. Who reads it quickly? Who just skips it to the next section? Come on, let's be honest. Despite the fact that many of us Westerners find genealogical lists quite boring, and I do say Westerners, 
Because as I've worked in other parts of the world, I find, I find that a lot of people in other cultures are really interested in the genealogies. They get to the genealogy and they start listening. Sometimes they're working with Western Bible translators who just want to skip through the section. But the, the other people in other cultures like, oh, this is really interesting. Because why is a genealogy important? It's where you come from. It's how you know you're connected to other people. So, and God placed genealogies in the Bible for a reason. And therefore, we need to try and take our Western hats off a bit. And we need to put our, sh our shoes in the people from this culture where they value genealogies. We need to read these lists carefully. These lists which God has placed on purpose in the Bible. If he put them there, then we, there is something that we can learn from these lists. Apart from just getting really cool names to give your kids. Therefore, when we read this text, we need to read it carefully because when we read this text, we need to know that for Jews, genealogy is more important than it is for us. In Australia, our genealogies are interesting maybe um, because we can learn where we've come from, what our ancestors did. Maybe like me, we don't always want to know what our ancestors did. But for the Jews, their genealogy was more important than just finding out bits of interesting information. Their whole identity as a people was tied up in their genealogy. Remember that in the time before Christ came, the Jews were God's people. Therefore, for a Jew, your genealogy was important because your genealogy proved that you were a real Jew and therefore part of God's people. Also, the genealogies of some people were more important than for others. For example, priests. If you wanted to be a priest, you couldn't just rock up to priest school and say, I'd like to enrol to be a priest. No, to be a priest, you had to be descended from Aaron. So there is a list. To become a priest, a person had to prove that your genealogy was not just a Jew, not just a Levite, but a subsection of Levites descended from someone called Aaron. So in order to prove that you are a priest, you had to prove your genealogy. Now, genealogies were not just important for priests, but they were important for other Jews as well. You see, at the time of Jesus' birth, Israel was not an independent country. Israel was part of the enormous Roman Empire. Now, a lot of Jews did not like being part of the Roman Empire and they wanted to be independent, to be free. And so they were waiting for a Messiah, a chosen one from God, who would save them from oppression and who, who would rule them with justice. And on Christmas Day, we read out the passage from Isaiah about that Messiah. That Messiah would lead them into a golden era of peace and prosperity. But not just anybody could be the Messiah. According to the Old Testament, only a descendant of King David could be the Messiah. And David, like all the kings after him, was descended from Judah, one of Jacob's sons. So the Jews considered King David to have been the ideal king back in their history. Um, and additionally, if we look back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, which is a prophecy about David's descendant being the Messiah, a prophet called Nathan prophesied to David and said that his descendants would always rule Israel. 
Now the church, Christians, Church of the New Testament and us as Christians claim that Jesus was and is the Messiah. And therefore, Matthew needed to show that the genealogy of Jesus proved that Jesus really was the Messiah. Have you ever wondered why the opening chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, indeed of the New Testament, are this genealogy? Well, it's important because it shows that Jesus is who he claims to be. Jesus' genealogy clearly shows that he was descended from David, which means that he was in the royal line, and therefore he was the one that these prophecies uh, looked forward to. From verses 8 to 11 in Matthew 1, we notice that the kings of Israel and Judah were some of Jesus' ancestors. Kings such as Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Josiah, and others. Let's now have a look at the very first verse in Matthew 1. It says, This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now already... In this first verse of the gospel, it speaks about where Jesus comes from according to his human origins. In verse 1, it says that he is the son or descendant of David. And also that he is the son or descendant of Abraham. I've already spoken about how it's significant that Jesus comes as it's a descendant from David. That's because the Messiah needed to be descended from David. And Matthew 1.1, it says that Jesus was the Messiah. It depends on your translation. The 2011 NIV says that Jesus is the Messiah. Some other translations says, say Jesus Christ. But just remember that the Greek word Christ and the Hebrew word Messiah mean the same thing. It's just one, Christ is Greek for Messiah. And in English it means chosen or anointed one. Therefore, the first verse says that Jesus, who is the Messiah, is descended from David. Just as the Holy Scriptures said that he would be. Therefore, it's showing us that Jesus really was the Messiah. He was who he claimed to be. From a long time before the birth of Jesus until today, the Jews have been expecting the Messiah. Even today, pious Jews still await the Messiah. The hope of Israel was and is the Messiah. Now, verse 1 says to the Jews... That Jesus is this Messiah, the one that you have been waiting for. As well as this, the first verse doesn't just say that Jesus was the son of David, but it also says that Jesus was the son or the descendant of Abraham. Why is it so important that Jesus was descended from Abraham? Anyone know? Yes, Peter. Yeah, that's right, promise to Abraham. So in order to understand the significance of why Jesus was descended from Abraham, we need to go back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, where for the first time we meet Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, where we meet Abraham, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Notice in the last part of verse 3, it says, All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So this means that not only the Jews would be blessed through Abraham, but all the families of the earth, all the peoples of the world, not only Jews, but also English people, French people, Chinese people, Tajik people, Palestinian people, Pakistani people, and even Australian people. 4,000 years ago, about 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus, God promised Abraham that through him all the different peoples of the world would be blessed. Now this promise was not fulfilled in the time of Abraham, but it would be fulfilled through one of his descendants. And we know that that descendant is Jesus. Since the coming of Jesus into the world, and through Jesus, all peoples have been blessed. Any person from any country, from any ethnic group, is able to trust in Jesus Christ as their saviour and master and to receive eternal life. So now we know why. In the first verse of the Gospel of Matthew, it says that Jesus was descended from both David and from Abraham. From David? Because Jesus was the Messiah, the promised son of David, who would save the Jews. And from Abraham, because Jesus was not only for the Jews, Jesus was the descendant of Abraham also, through whom all the different people of the world would be blessed. Therefore, Jesus, who was born into the families of both Abraham and David, is the hope of the whole world. But there's more than just those two names in Jesus' genealogy, aren't there? The Gospel of Matthew not only says that Jesus was descended from Abraham and David, but it also gives us this list of Jesus' Jesus's genealogy. And this list is divided into three parts, and each part has 14 generations. The first part is from Abraham to David. The second part is from David until the exile to Babylon. And the third part is from the exile to Babylon until Christ. So it starts off with Abraham, the father of the Israelite nation. We have David, the most loved king in the history of the Jewish nation and what many regard as being the highest point in the history of Israel. Then we have the exile into Babylon, which is like the lowest point in the history of Israel, when the Jews lost their land, lost the temple. The genealogy of Jesus includes the beginning of the history of the nation of Israel. It includes its highest point and its lowest point. Now, the genealogy of Jesus reads like a normal Jewish genealogy, except for the following things. In a normal genealogical list, only male ancestors are included. But in this list of Jesus' genealogy, there are four women ancestors who are included. Now, of course, we know it's a biological fact that women are in Jesus' uh, human ancestors as well as men. But the fact that some of Jesus' female ancestors were actually written down as part of his genealogy shows that these women are important in his genealogy. Throughout the Gospels, we know that, notice that Jesus was concerned for women as well as men. We notice the faith of many women. In Jewish society at that time, women were often ignored. They often were not taught the religious law. But Jesus was different. 
He ministered to women as well as to men. He came to die for both and to bring salvation to both. Jesus came for all people, women and men. But these women were no ordinary women. All of these women, each one of them, are interesting and unusual. At least two of them were Gentiles and possibly all of them had a Gentile link. In verse 5, it mentions Rahab, who is a Gentile from Jericho. Uh, in verse 5, it also mentions Ruth. Now, Ruth was a Moabite. Moabites were actually the enemies of Israel. And here we have a Moabite in Jesus' genealogy. The two other women, we're not sure, but they were also possibly Gentiles. Verse 3 mentions Tamar, who probably was a Canaanite, that is a Gentile. And in verse 6 it mentions Bathsheba. It's interesting because it doesn't mention her name. We know her name from elsewhere in the scripture. But rather it mentions the name of her former husband Uriah. And we know that Uriah was a... Anyone know what he was? A Hittite. That means he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. It's interesting that in a list of Jesus' genealogy that there are some Gentiles. Matthew, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit probably included these ancestors to emphasise that Jesus was the hope and saviour of the whole world and not just for one nation, the Jews. Now that I've explained the significance of Jesus' genealogy, let's now read verses 1 to 17. Again, this time we've had a bit of an intro, so you can look out for some things. As you listen, listen carefully for those things I've just spoken about. Notice the list of Jesus' genealogy is divided into three parts. Notice the Gentile women ancestors of Jesus. Notice the well-known ancestors of Jesus, patriarchs and kings. Notice that Jesus is a real Jew. Notice that Jesus is a real son of David. Jesus is the real Messiah. Jesus is a real son of Abraham, the real saviour of the world, Jesus is my saviour and master and your saviour and master if we trust in him. Let's now read. And I'll see how I go with the names. A bit scary. All right. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. 
Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So is that interesting? Have I convinced you yet? <laughs> More interesting than before? Now, it is actually very interesting because in verse 16, did you, anyone notice something unexpected? Who was Jesus born from? Does it say he was born from Joseph? No. In this verse, in verse 16, it's very unexpected because it says that Jesus was born from Mary, who was the wife of Joseph. But notice it does not say that Jesus was born from Joseph. When Mary fell pregnant, we know that she was a virgin. In verse 18, it says that Mary became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That means that Jesus did not have a human father. Now, the genealogy about which I've just spoken is the genealogy of Joseph, not the genealogy of Mary. And therefore, biologically speaking, you could say it's not strictly the genealogy of Jesus. So why did Matthew use so many verses to speak about a genealogy that was not, in fact, Jesus' biological genealogy? Well, the Bible doesn't answer that question directly, so we have to put our thinking caps on and maybe speculate a little bit. But I think it is possible to understand why if we think about it. Of course, we can't be sure. But firstly, in Jewish culture, it was possible to adopt, just like it is in our culture today. Therefore, because Joseph was the husband of Mary and Mary was the mother of Jesus, according to the law, Jesus was the son of Joseph. And therefore, from a legal point of view, Jesus did share the genealogy of Joseph. And legality is what was important. And therefore, Jesus truly was the son of Abraham and the son of David. But secondly, which I think is more important, Matthew wanted to show that the spiritual origin of Jesus was more important than his human origin. During the lifetime of Jesus on earth, people thought that Jesus was the son of Joseph. And because Jesus was Joseph's son, according to the law, Jesus was able and is able to be the Messiah. But more important than any human genealogy 
was the spiritual origin of Jesus. Mary became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And therefore the father of Jesus biologically was not Joseph, but rather Jesus' father in a supernatural way that's beyond comprehension was God himself. In the Gospel of Matthew, 15 verses are used in order to show the human origin of Jesus. 15 verses of Holy Scripture and then in the 16th verse it says that Jesus is not actually the biological son of Joseph, but something far more important. Can you see the contrast? In the Gospel of Matthew, 15 verses are used to show the genealogy of Jesus. In order to prove that Jesus was the real Messiah and the real hope for both Jews and the whole world. The human genealogy of Jesus is very important. But although that's the case, the origin from God, the divine genealogy of Jesus, is even more important. Truly, Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus was a real human. But Jesus was not only human... Jesus is also the Son of God, which means that Jesus is God. Jesus fulfilled all the conditions in order to be the Messiah. But Jesus was much more than the Jews were expecting for their Messiah. The Jews were expecting a human Messiah who would deliver Israel from their enemies. And what they meant by that was from the Roman Empire. But Jesus came from God for the purpose of something far greater than deliverance from earthly enemies. Jesus was the human Messiah, but he was also and still is the divine Messiah. He came from God in order to save us from our sins and to give us eternal life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 to 17 speaks about the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It speaks about his genealogy not so that we can become bored or we can quickly skip through it, but in order to show that Jesus really was the Messiah. Jesus was and still is the real divine Messiah who came from God to earth in order to save us from our sins is to give us eternal life. That is to everybody who trusts, who believes in him and repents of their sin. Jesus the one without human father. Jesus, the true one and only son of God. Indeed, God himself. He came to live amongst us. And then he died for our sins. And then he rose victorious over our sins. He did this to pay the penalty for our sins. As a substitute for us. But that's only if we believe and trust in him. That is to trust him, to live for him, be committed to him. To allow his Holy Spirit into our lives. So that we turn from our sinful ways and we turn towards God and live in righteousness and obedience to Christ. If you're here today and you do not trust and believe in Jesus, you too can receive forgiveness of sins through him. You just need to repent, that is admit to your sin, turn away from doing the wrong thing and then turn in trust and faith to Jesus living his way. If you do believe in Jesus, then spread the word here and beyond about God's provision for our sins, about Jesus' origins as the one promised thousands of years ago, Jesus the Messiah, 
Jesus, the one who would bless all nations. Jesus, the one born of God, the Son of God, God himself, who came to save us from our sins. Amen. I sometimes find that after genealogies, there's sometimes a couple of questions. So maybe if anyone has a question or two, we can attempt to answer it. Yeah. So, so Jordan asked, did Mary have a similar genealogy? We don't know. Uh, we don't know what tribe she was, comes from. I mean, you often assume that it's from Judah as well. Her cousin was Elizabeth, though, who was married to a Levite. Who was a, we know that because he was a priest, Zechariah. So we don't know. Yep. Some people think that the genealogy in Luke is from Mary's line, but if you have a look at Luke, it doesn't actually say that. It says it was Joseph's genealogy. Yep. Yes, David. So David asked, why is Jacob's name used rather than Israel's name? Again, I don't know. <laughs> Someone should ask me a question, I do know. We don't know. We, we, we don't know. You often find in the scripture that it alternates between those two names. Yeah, so I don't know. Yes, Rachel, please give me one I can answer. <laughs> So was it actually 14 generations? Yep, so that's a good question. I think that's one I might be able to answer, Rachel. Uh, so if you have a look at Luke's genealogy, you'll notice that some of the names are different as well. I was wondering why someone didn't come up with that question. So some of the names are different. So in the Hebrew, and then carried over into the Greek when Hebrews were writing, the word son didn't mean the same thing as we say when we say son. So if I say I'm the son, my, my father was actually here last week. Some of you might have met him at Christmas. But I say I'm his father. I mean, I say that... Sorry, he's my father. I say I'm his son. I'm Richard's son. Now, his father, I would say I was John's grandson. But in Hebrew, you could, say, you could also say that about your grandfather, the son of. So son could mean more than just the one generation. It could mean multiple generations. And we can see that because it says that Jesus was the son of David and the son of Abraham, which is obviously many, many generations. So son could be anywhere. So when it says generations, and when it says son of, it might, there might be a skipping of generations. So there may be some grandsons and great-grandsons in there, which may also account for the different names in Luke, because that, they could have been using different, um, different generations there. One more question, and then we'll close. Yes, Sarah. Yeah, okay. Um, so, of course, in, in uh, Launceston, we have a river named after her, maybe. Or was she, you know. <laughs> so, the reason is, is because when you have a look at that, um, Judah, um, it's because the Jewish nation or the Hebrews were not yet established in Israel at that time. They were still living really as foreigners in the land. It was before they had come out of Egypt and established themselves as a nation. So, it was really just a family unit. Uh, and so it meant that if they were to marry someone outside, they generally had to go back to where Abraham came from, like what happened with sending um, Abraham sent his servant to get Isaac's wife from Mesopotamia. Uh, and so the fact that she was a local means that 
she and there's no mention of any family linkage to what was then still just a very small family unit, uh, means that she was probably a local. Yeah. Okay, well, I pray, and then Cameron can come up and close. If you have more questions later, you can always come and ask me. Dear Lord, we thank you for this genealogy. We just pray that uh, next time we read the Gospel of Matthew, and indeed any of the genealogies in the Scripture, that you would help us to realise that they're there for a reason. I pray that you'd help us to see the linkages uh, that are there with other parts of Scripture. Uh, I pray that you'd help us to see how important they are, and I pray in the case of this specific genealogy, you would help us to see how Jesus truly is the Son of God, the one who inherited the promises given to David and to Abraham, uh, a true Jew, a true son of David, uh, but even more important than that, that he is uh, the Son of God, that you are the Son of God. And we thank you, Lord. We pray that you'd help us to worship you, to follow you, and to serve you better. We ask for these things in your name. Amen.